Hello and welcome to the DC United Kingdom podcast. This is episode three of season two and I have two guests who are again making their debut like last week. Um, I have James Lambert and John Lee. How are you guys doing today? Good, good, good. Glad yeah, to be here. Great. Yeah. Good to be here. Great. Um, so, obviously I've got these guys on um, for a particular reason. Um, but be- first, we're just going to hear a few words from our sponsors, the MLS UK Show. And then we'll get to speaking to our lovely, lovely guests. So, MLS UK Show, take it away. Hey DC Squad, this is Elliot Holman. And I'm Henry Hewitt. From the MLS UK Show. Have you ever wondered what the number one football podcast is in Egypt? Well, it's surely about, I don't know, Liverpool with Mo Salah, right? Incorrect. It's the MLS UK show. We don't know how that has happened. (laughs) How has that happened? I have no idea. (laughs) So if you're not living in Egypt and you want to catch the MLS UK show, Elliot, why should they listen? Well, our season preview for 2020 is about to drop or may have already dropped, depending on when you listen to this. In that episode, we preview, we make predictions. How good were our predictions last year, by the way? Not very good. No, they were terrible. We take a look at the latest news coming out of MLS ahead of the new season. And my fiance Poppy does her annual kit reviews. What does she think of DC's kit? You know, the black with a red sleeve? We are on YouTube, of course, as well. So give us a search on YouTube. Uh, or if you want to listen on your commute or at your convenience, search your podcast provider for MLS UK Show. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks, Elliot and Henry. Um, So first up, James. Um. I wanted to get you on because you are obviously the main guy for Screaming Eagles. And I wanted to get you to give you a kind of an overview about what you guys are about for those listeners out there who are casual DC fans that might not be from America, uh, because I have listeners from all over the world. Um, so, James, would you be all right just giving an overview about Screaming Eagles and maybe a little history about them? Sure, sure. So, Screaming Eagles were one of the supporters clubs uh, for DC United. Um, we actually go back to 1995. Uh, and predate um, the actual naming of DC United. So some of the discussion about the naming of the club happened on the Screaming Eagles listserv um, back in 1995 when our founder, Matt Mathai, had had set that up. Um, so this is our 25th anniversary as, long, as uh, well as the leagues, uh, which is pretty cool. And, you know, our mission is really writ large growing soccer in the DC area and supporting DC United. So we do all the things you typically expect of a supporters group, um, and have, you know, match day activities. We throw a big tailgate um, before the matches, you know, try to, you know, do all the demonstrations in the stands, bring the noise, bring the atmosphere, bring the passion to the club. Uh, but we have is probably as large of a presence outside of match day as well. Um, so we work on supporting our kind of brother and sister clubs um, in the area and what they're doing, the Spirit Squadron, Loud and Stampede. Uh, we work very closely with our main community partner, DC Scores. Uh, it's also the community partner of the team. Uh, for those of you abroad, they do a kind of, they run a after-school soccer program and uh, poetry classes for thousands of kids uh, in the District of Columbia. Um, really cool program. We do a lot to raise money for them and uh, provide volunteers and generally, you know, support all their activities, uh, you know, across the board. Um, I also like to, in, in a lot of ways, see the Screaming Eagles and the Supporters Club concept as we're the union. We're the union for the fans. And it's about collective action and the, the ability to express our opinions, 
um, and have them heard by the front office of DC United, the team, the ownership. Um, we can act a little bit as like their conscience in some ways. Um, we can act a little bit as like a, a focus group um, on some of the main topics. And and then sometimes, you know, we need to take that additional step of, you know, speaking out on issues that are of, of collective importance when maybe we can't get things done behind the scenes. Um, finally, I think, I mean, what's one of the great things that's really, um, you know, blooming, I guess, these days um, going into spring is uh, is turning supporter ideas into reality. So a lot of what we exist to do is, you know, get you guys, the people listening out here, the supporters that have ideas, have initiatives and have that energy to make them reality. And we want to support that. We want to support that with the funds we have. We want to support that with um, our connections with the team, our connections um, with other with other um, parts of the soccer community in Washington and make those things a reality. And, you know, John and what him and Sam and Joshua have going with the Tried and True podcast is actually a great example of, you know, that process and taking something from an idea and and uh, getting it to the uh, the reality stage. Yeah. Um, so that was nicely led into John. So obviously, James has just mentioned the Tried and True uh, podcast. Um, take it away. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So, um, you know, like all good ideas, this one came after a few libations. Um, we, we got together kind of talking about, you know, what what's sort of missing, you know, right now from, from the DC United media landscape. And of course, over here in the States, we've been dealing with the drama of the TV deal for quite some time and seemingly the last few seasons as well. Um, obviously that news has come out, uh, which is exciting. Um, but in, in many ways we still don't have, well, we don't have a radio partner. Um, and, and we haven't for as long as I've been a fan anyway. Um, and so after the games, particularly home games, um, you know, what do we do? We all, kind of hang around and talk about the game. Um, and we thought, you know, what better way to kind of engage a, a broader portion of the fan base than by, you know, kind of doing that live and doing that as a post-game show. And as something, you know, we, we originally talked to um, James Lambert and some of the folks about like, you know, hey, is this something we could do at the ECC at the, at the Screaming Eagles tailgate location? Or is this something that we could do at a bar partner? Or is it something that we just kind of record at our house? Um, and then one thing led to another and, and, you know, conversations were had with the team and the team, you know, really liked the concept as well. And it's actually something that we're planning to do live from Audi Field um, for all the home games this year. Um, we're still working a little bit on logistics as far as where in the stadium that's going to be and, and when we can announce those details here in the coming months. Um, I can tell you that this weekend uh, it will be live in the Heineken Club. Um, that's going to be unfortunately restricted to just the um, – the field level uh, members to get in there after the game for the first uh, first couple shows of the season, I think. But hopefully later on this season, we're going to be in a more public place there um, where all the fans post game can come and, and hear our show and, and be a part of um, be a part of what we're doing. Um, we'll, we're uh, on Twitter, on Instagram right now at tried and true DCU. Uh, so I've got to plug us a little bit there, but after the game, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great way to get involved. Uh, we'll be, we'll be broadcasting live uh, on YouTube live. And so we'll of course be monitoring the chat um, there and, and monitoring um, Twitter for, for fan input and questions. And um, we're still working to finalize um, our guest for this weekend, but uh, some of our goals this season kind of include getting players or former players or, you know, parts of the team to kind of join us um, after the game. So what I would say is um, we'll be, putting out the link here in the next day or so for this uh, Saturday's 
broadcast, but it'll be approximately a half hour after the final whistle uh, is when we plan to go live. That is absolutely awesome. Um, and you literally answered a couple of questions I already had in my head, which is going to be, is it going to be live on YouTube? Um, so that's great to see. Um, obviously, it's going to be video. Is there going to be an audio recording to go out afterwards as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so actually out of the gate, uh, it doesn't look like we've gonna, we're going to have cameras uh, initially. We're still working through kind of the logistics of that. Um, so it'll, it'll be audio with just our cool graphic up in the background on YouTube for the first <laughs> couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, uh, we, we plan to record the whole show. And then as soon as we're done, we'll um, just basically push it right out to, to all the, the major podcatchers. Um, we're already up on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Stitcher, a couple others. So we're, we're out there with our episode zero, which we recorded last week, just kind of a, a season preview to get something out there. And then we'll have our first uh, proper content uh, this Saturday. And I did actually uh, listen into your episode zero, and it was really good. So well done on that. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so we're obviously all here to talk about DC United. Um, let's go through some news. So first thing on the agenda is Gressel has signed that long-term deal. Obviously, he had, when he was traded, he only had until the end of the season, um, signed a new long-term contract. I think it's three years with the option of the fourth. Um, how do we feel about that? You know, I'm in a place with Gressel that I think if you get a player that has proven production like he's had, you know, you just run with that. Um, if you would look at bringing in a player, which were there significantly more risk from abroad and what you'd have to pay them in transfer fee and salary um, to get the numbers he's put up over the last two years, it's going to be double that in many cases. I, I think he, you know, this is, this is a move like, you know, Nagby to Atlanta a couple years ago or, you know, Ozzy Alonso and Opara to Minnesota, you're taking proven performers, you're putting them into a team, and Gressel's only 26, so you're going to get the full length of the deal when he's in his prime. So, I mean, I, I love the move. I'm, I'm still not sure why Atlanta wouldn't give him the money, but, you know, better for us. Yeah, it's it's a huge get. I mean, and and you can't, you can't highlight enough the proven talent, you know, especially at an affordable cost moving within the league. Like James said, it's, it's super exciting, um, and... Uh, you know, unfortunately, we I think we kind of know what one of the roles he's going to have to fill with the Paul Ariola news, which I'm sure we'll get to. But um, it's he's he's certainly going to be a, a major part to this team this year. Yeah, um, it's just one of the big stats for me is the fact that he's given the most assists since he's joined the league um, out of anyone. So uh, as long as he continues doing that, I don't care where he plays on the pitch, as long as he just keeps doing it. Um, exactly. Obviously, as you just mentioned there, John. Um, Ariola's injury, um, season ending. Um, what do we do um, since he's now injured? Obviously, Gressel, um, it was likely he was going to be playing right back. I think he'd be playing further forward now. Knaus is probably going to end up being at right back like he did at the end of last season. Um, would that be a good move for us? Yeah, I, I mean, from I guess I'll take a stab at it at first. I, I, I think that, yeah, unfortunately, Knaus is probably locked in the left back, at least for now, until Fisher's healthy. Um, I, I don't, I can't imagine that that's something Russ is super excited about, uh, based on kind of his, his previous thoughts on playing back there. But um, this does seem to be a pretty strong locker room, and so it, it, it feels like he'll do what we need to do um, for the time being. But I, I don't think it's possible to overstate the loss of, of Ariola. I mean, I, I joked a little bit about it on our show. I, um, it's a good thing we recorded uh, before that news broke because I, I was. Uh, <laughs> 
absolutely <laughs> gutted to hear that. I mean, Paul's a, a huge part of this team. Um, you know, he, he does so many of the little things that, it, you know, sometimes it's hard to quantify. Um, and, he, and he's just such a good guy, too. So you, you hate to see it happen to him. Um, what we saw in the preseason game uh, over the weekend that we were actually able to see, which was cool, um, was that uh, Flores actually played uh, most of the time, I think, at, at right mid and, and Gressel was at the 10. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that's the, the move going forward or, or if things change. Yeah, I mean, you, you'll probably see a lot more interchange this year. I think with Paul, that was the plan because he can play centrally as well. My worry is kind of lack of speed to get in behind. When we were missing Paul over the last two years, teams could really compress the field against us because Wayne wasn't as, you know any threat to get in behind. And, you know, we just we didn't have the speed at other positions. Paul was the only one there to do that. Now, this year, you know, I think we're in a better situation with Ola up top and Flores and, you know, some more flexibility. But on the other wing, I think going into the first week, there's going to be that battle about do you start Segura or Assad? One thing we saw in the Philadelphia scrimmage was that Segura does have the speed to get in behind. Now, he's limited in many other ways, um, whereas Assad brings a lot more creativity and probably a lot more history of production, but he's slow. And so – you know, how do we fit the pieces together so we're not, you know, uh, making ourselves easy to play against, which unfortunately without Ariel the last couple of years, we've been very easy to play against. Yeah. Um, and you touched on about the fact that we were able to watch uh, the Philadelphia game. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to. Um, no matter what VPN I was using, it still wouldn't work, um, <laughs> which was so annoying. Um, but how was it? Um Obviously, I can't say anything about the matter on that game. Um, how did it look from your guys' end? I mean, scrimmages, right? Take it with a grain of salt. I mean, it looked good. I thought they looked good. They they played a heck of a lot faster, it seemed, than they did last year at any point. Um, there was a lot more attempts of, you know, Briant and Birnbaum and, to really break the first line, you know, break lines with their passing. Uh, get balls into the attack. Uh, a lot was generated by those kind of quick direct balls and then the ball being, you know, either touched or headed over and Segura, you know, running in behind and exploiting that space. Um, I, I do wonder, because in the preseason, teams tend to work on their own stuff, not countering the other team's stuff. And Philadelphia is transitioning into being a pressing team this year and more aligned with Ernst Tanner's view of that club and there's always going to be some growing pains. And, you know, I'm not sure if you were banking up a game plan for a competitive game, you would have, you know, pressed as much in the way they, that they were trying to ineffectively at times. And we really started kind of easily breaking through that. Um, that's never kind of been the conventional easy way to play against Olsen's teams. So we'll, we'll see when it gets to real matches. And from you, John, there, did you manage to get in to watch the game? And are you sim thinking similar to James there? Yeah, yeah, mostly similar. I mean, it's it's always tough to put anything you know behind a preseason game, like James said. But it, they did; they looked good. Um, it was it was exciting to see, and especially against a team that's given us fits for the past few years. Um, you know, I don't know; it, it was close to a starting eleven from the Union. Um, I'm sure it'll be a, a different intensity level when we see them again in a few weeks. But um, yeah, they looked good, and, and if they can if they can keep it up and, and continue to keep opponents on their on their toes with some of the positional changes within the starting 11, but also, you know, some of the substitutions that they had, you know, Saad came in later on. It'll be interesting to see, you know, 
how fit he is for a full 90 run in and when that when that happens but um cautiously optimistic you know i think i'd be feeling a lot better if paul was still uh, <laughs> available but you know it was it was a, it was a good final run out at least from what i saw yes yes um news that came out yesterday or today i can't remember what day it was because uh, days are just blurring into one right now for me um Mohamed Abu, um, potential signing. Uh, news came out of Norway um, about this one. Obviously, previous MLS experience. Um, thoughts on this? I, I'm a bit meh about it. I'm not too 100% sure whether we need another midfielder. Um, I know Ariola's been out injured and we've got to put some square pegs into round holes. But do we need another square peg? I mean, I wonder if they've actually they're actually bringing him in to maybe be a backup at left back. I believe he's left footed, okay. and um, yeah, I agree with you, right? He's a, he played a defensive midfield in Columbus and Valarenga, and it just doesn't seem with Felipe and Canals and Moreno that we need another. That's not the position of need right now. But I do wonder if that's maybe what they're looking um, where they're looking to stick him. Mm, that would be interesting, uh, John. At this point, I'm keenly interested in depth all across the field. Um, I mean, <laughs> midfield now is an area where it's you know more important than it was. But I, I'm, I'm if this is something that can help plug some of the holes in, or at least the holes in the depth chart in the back line, uh, I'm all for it. You know, I, I'm I'm keenly interested in the club bringing in additional attacking options and additional depth uh, in the back line because it does seem like we're an injury away in many positions from really being in a pinch. Yeah, especially at the back. Um, I mean, the fact that we've only got just the three centre-backs with Brian, Birnbaum and Donovan Pines. For me, we need to def- desperately need someone else there. Um, we need probably an- another left-back. So if Abu can fill that uh, fill that space, fine. Um, yeah, backline depth we definitely need. Um, yeah, and at center back right now, I mean, Pines is still hurt too. So oh, Yeah, he is, isn't he? Yeah, he's injured. Forgot about that. So, so yeah, we've yeah. got... And I think the club is is actually, I mean, I think they've been making attempts um, to pull in other defenders. I think there's been at least two they've been after that they've kind of struck out on. Um, so I don't even think it's, it's, un, it's not a situation where it's unknown. Um, maybe a little bit different when we talk about homegrowns uh, on the wing about what their approach is. But I think they're strongly looking for reinforcements on the back line. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen a couple of um, trialists um, over the last week or so. Um, I'm sure I've just seen... Uh, one f- uh, from where we got from Houston Dynamo, I think it is. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that one. Uh, yeah, Kevin Garcia started uh, his trial today. So that'll be interesting to see if uh, he comes through on that. Um, other things, as we mentioned earlier on, um, the TV deal, finally done and dusted. So we've got shows going out, which is obviously better than... Um, what we had with Flow Sports last season. Yeah, you know, I, this is something that, that came up over the weekend um, at the at the Screaming Eagles uh, general meeting, um, and, and Andy Bush was there and, and kind of fielded some questions on that. And yeah, it was, it, at least from where I sit, it's it's very clear that the team heard the feedback loud and clear last year of you know this this Flow deal is not getting it done. They didn't hold up some of the promises on their end. Fans were upset. Um, it is a bit frustrating just to kind of see. It, it, it doesn't look like the team had very many good options to choose from. Um, you know, while, while we are going to have all the games on TV this year, which is awesome. Um, 
DirecTV, which is the, the main um, provider for most bars um, in, in the D.C. area or in, in most areas, actually doesn't get the channel in HD, which is a challenge. Um, so when you go to a to a pub to watch the match, it's uh, not the best experience. Um, but, but one of the things that we talked to Andy Bush about over the weekend was, you know, are there going to be streaming options for, for cord cutters like James and myself? And uh, how, how could we potentially you know, watch the games or, or have a better viewing experience at bars. And it sounds like the team is working on a streaming deal um, just on their own website within the, within probably the DC viewing area, but that would at least answer the mail for a lot of us who cut the cord and actually don't have access to WJLA 24 seven news. Um, so that would be huge. Uh, also kind of in the vein of listening to supporter feedback. I think that would really put a lot of us at ease. So just to, just to go back a couple of steps there, no HD in bars. <laughs> yeah, you, you heard that correctly. Uh, it's it's something that I've been prodding a lot on Twitter about. Um, and this was a challenge, you know, because this Sinclair deal was the deal we had prior to Flow Sports, and it was a challenge then as well. Um, I think the over time, the team kind of changed some of the graphics package that they use so that it's easier to kind of see in those situations. But, I mean, when the deal first started, when they left NBC Sports Washington a few years ago, um, you couldn't actually read half of the scoring book <laughs> because yeah. of this, the way it was like cropped and fit the screens. Oh, um, so some of those challenges remain, but like I said, I, I don't, I truly don't believe the team had a better choice. Yeah. Um, I think the goal was to get all of the games on TV in the local area and they've succeeded in that. And so this is something we'll, we'll work through. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully um, they will have, you know, they've said that, that, you know, whatever this potential streaming option through their website will have HD. So hopefully that will be a bar solution. And I think that, you know, John hit it, the, the three things we were always emphasizing um, to the club is, you know, you need HD, you need it to be able to be shown easily in bars um, and you need to have a stream solution for the, for, you know, for cord cutters. Um, you know, I don't know how it works abroad. Maybe they'll even make the stream available outside the United States. Uh, that would be, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> particularly ideal for you. I am frying uh, for that. The, the only, I think the only piece of, you know, sort of sad news we got was, uh, uh, Devin McTavish was there on Sunday as well, and we asked him if he'd be traveling to all the away matches with Dave Johnson. He said, unfortunately, they'll be in the studio um, for most of them, which is, you know, one at least at least it's the smallest of the disappointments um, over the, the things we per perhaps could have seen <laughs> in the TV deal. He, he did sort of leave the door open there to uh, the supporters of keep letting, you know, letting the team know that that's a priority to you. Well, I think we just I, I should that... just give him and Dave like spaces on the bus to Philly and to New Jersey and <laughs> right. CFC. Like, why not? I mean, it doesn't really. And then we'll, we'll get him there. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely something that yeah I know both those guys are interested in doing. So, hopefully, throughout the year as we play big away matches, you know, we'll, the team will find a way to make it happen. Yeah, it's I I genuinely don't understand why they're not always there. Um, surely can't cost that much to get them get them there. I mean, you've offered them a lift. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you can't give them the lift to Vancouver or LA or any of those <laughs> places. But um, the downsides of having a large country. Yes, yeah, we don't have. Thankfully, we don't have that issue over here. Um, other other bits of news um, that came out today: Derby County potentially playing uh, DC United in a friendly later on in the uh, October time. Can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder why that that's come about. I mean, I mean, I wonder who plays at DC at Derby County now. I do find the timing a bit peculiar on that, though. Was I was I reading October timeframe? Yeah. Which 
like kind of right in the middle of the the English club season. I'm, I'm sure it's starting a FIFA window or something. But yeah, I think it's a FIFA. Yeah. It's a FIFA window. Yes. To um, travel across the pond is kind of. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just most interested to see if 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 Wayne will be uh, sober or hungover <laughs> or still drunk during friendly like that. <laughs> I mean, we could probably tell, but he'll probably fly through <laughs> BWI and stuff. Like that, you know, yeah. <laughs> Oh, Wayne, what a what a bit of a legend. Mind you, he's got a heck of a penanka the other night. From, again, from the dates, it seems, um, that being thrown around for this friendly game, literally three, from what I've seen, October 7th was the first day that I saw. That's three days after our last game of the regular season. And it's, uh, you know, as far as Audi Field, it's three days before, I think, the Spirit are going to play on October 10th, they just announced today. Oh. Um, so you also have the issue of uh, field wear going into the playoffs. So, yeah, you know, it's well, it's going to be an interesting end to the season. Let's put it that way. Um, I've, I've got them written down, but um, something else I want to talk about is the League's Cup. Um, those dates recently got announced as well. Um, looking at it, it's right in the midst of some pretty mental runs that we've got so we're going to be playing three games in a week and things like that um first what do we think of the league's cup um do we like this tournament um i've likened it to the europa league to the champions league um considering what teams are in in league's cups uh what do we think of it i mean i just don't i just don't see how you know in our particular situation can you see any way that Olsen would actually play any starters at all in that stretch? I'm, I'm, I'm like, honestly, like no. he has never shown any interest in, um, you know, playing for these say the secondary competitions. And, you know, this one, especially with, you know, very little at the end. I mean, and I don't know how I'm supposed to get excited about it, even as a fan of the wider league, if there's no real incentive for most MLS clubs to commit bodies to it in the midst of summer. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's likely going to be Loudon United versus like Monterey. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's going to be. I mean, yeah. of course, I walk down the street and go, but um, it's going to be tough to get jazzed up for that. I mean, I, I I'm with you, James. I I don't see Olsen putting out a big team, and I mean, sure, it's a trophy, <laughs> but I I think that their the goal is to make it kind of comparable to the Europa League, but I I just I don't think we're there yet in terms of. MLS teams caring that much about the competition until the later rounds. Well, and you're also going to have the top Liga Emekis teams in this competition and only the middling MLS squads. So you're also going to still be dealing with some big money clubs that have a much, much better 11 through 18 um, than MLS clubs are just frankly allowed to have by legal real league rules. So, I mean, you know, MLS claims, again, we want to compete in the continental you know, arena, but yet they continue to hold themselves back on the spending with league rules and you know, lack of interest in things like this is always going to be the outcome. Yeah. Um, what more can you say about it? Um, apart from imagine if Loudon United beat Monterey. <laughs> I mean, that would be pretty special. <laughs> <laughs> who was, who was the poor right back last year that would just kept getting roasted against Marseille. If anyone saw the Marseille match. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't even think he had a name on the back of his jersey. <laughs> probably... and they pulled him. They brought him in, and they like pulled him twenty minutes later. They brought him on. It was. It was man. It felt terrible for the kid. It was probably a trialist again. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I did land one of those sick Loudon uh, jerseys with the DC flag on it for uh, Christmas. Oh, I, I definitely grabbed one of those, too. The culture <laughs> kits. They looked absolutely awesome. Yeah. Why, why would they use that as their proper kit? That would have been... I mean, it would certainly be better than the DC United away kit right now, which is the, you know, blank white t-shirt. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, gloss over that one. Actually, what, <laughs> what do we think of this year's jersey? Um, I'm a big fan of it because it reminds me of the old Rangers early 90s kit. Um, so I'm I'm all for it. I When you first saw the stripes over the shoulder, it was a bit unusual, but I'm digging it. I would say I like the jersey and I love the full kit. I think with yeah. the red shorts, it really is the best we've had going in a while. Um, the thick red band around the sleeve plus the red shorts, I think, is it emphasizes actually black and red, not black and white. <laughs> and, and and that in itself is a, is a huge improvement. And as far as the stripes, there's not much you can do about templates. That's what every apparel company demands these days, yeah. that we all have something in common. But, uh, you know, all in all, I actually think across the league, the jerseys are pretty nice. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I love it too. It's going to be a true exercise in self-control to see if I can hold off uh, on buying one until the prices drop because I, I, I did look the day of and, man, Adidas is just fleecing us on jersey costs. Uh, yeah, but maybe, like, maybe John, maybe you can win enough on prop bets in the early matches at Audi Field there that we you go. can pay for the jersey <laughs> through your gambling things. That's not bad. As we say over here in the UK, please gamble responsibly. Uh, oh, um right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the prices are. I think is it one hundred and thirty-five dollars for the actual proper jersey? I think yeah, it's one yeah one one thirty-five or one forty for the authentic, but that's without customization. So if you want to put a player on it, you gotta <laughs> cough up some more. Yeah, there's no yeah. those numbers are pretty sweet too. So they are. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue. My wife bought me one last year when I came over. So for my birthday, right. fingers crossed. If you're listening, Fliss, you know what you know what to get me for my birthday now. <laughs> Um, just a trip to DC to buy one. That'll do. Um, yeah. Season preview time. Um, I mean, we've obviously briefly spoken about the roster. Um, obviously, a little bit thin. Um, but how far can we go this year? Um, realistically speaking, obviously, the last couple of years we've fallen at the first hurdle at the playoffs. Can we go further this year? I mean, realistically, have I mean, I hate to say this, but have we ever? I mean, under this current kind of coaching, you know, in GM combo, we've never we've never advanced really, yeah, you know, deep in the playoffs, and that that hasn't always been because we haven't had any talent either. Um, I'm not saying we can't. I think actually the team could be fairly successful in the regular season, but when it comes to knockouts, I just I, I have a hard time believing until I I see it happen at least once. Yeah, I mean, to me, it would be both shocking and extremely disappointing if this team didn't make the playoffs. Um, I mean, even with the aerial injury, I think they've got enough to get, get to the playoffs, but, but James is right. I mean, it's every year I kind of trick myself in that, you know, Hey, you get in and it's, it's, you know, now it's a single, single game competition, especially with the new format, right? All you got to do is, is get on a hot streak and go, but um, we, we've not been able to do that. And, um, you know, especially you, you pay the price a, a little bit more now if you don't have as good of a regular season with, with having to go on the road for a one-leg elimination game. I mean, it's hard. Um, there, there's no way around it. And without more depth um, or just 
literally no one else getting injured all year, which would be great. Um, it, it, it's going to be a challenge. Um, I think a lot is going to be determined by how well the new players gel together and, and what we're able to do in the, the summer transfer window based on, you know, where we sit at the table. But I think getting into the playoffs, knock on wood, shouldn't be too big of a challenge for this roster. But yeah, it's, it's taking it to that next level on how you make that happen. That, that seems to be the challenge. And hopefully, the, you know, one positive will be the chemistry being better. I mean, I, I don't think we can overestimate how poisonous Lucho was last year, both on and especially off the field for that squad. And then what, with, what went on with Rooney in the second half of the season, it, there was just no collective. Um, it had fallen apart. I mean, you had your two most important players partially and fully tuned out, um, and things got ugly. And on its surface, the players that have been brought in are more of, you know, quote, Ben's guys, guys that have a high work rate, no matter what else they bring to the table. Um, and that has been important over the years <laughs> because, you know, pure, pure skill guys have not always meshed well um, with the, with the coaching staff and it some had times had ugly results. <laughs> You're not going to name any names there, James? <laughs> I mean, I would, we could go back. I mean, think Marcus Halstey and Branko Boscovich and I mean, and Lucho, you know, guys who, who, yeah. you know, aren't, aren't covering the ground always, um, but bring other things um, have not always had a permanent place uh, at this club, which has been unfortunate. There uh, was a period of time where Marcus Halstey was a feature in my FIFA roster with DC United because he was the <laughs> highest ranked player by far on the team. I don't remember what, version of the game that was but <laughs> <laughs> no it's um i mean in terms of the playoffs is it down to a lack of tactical nous um the fact that these now it's the single knockout games and obviously we saw against toronto how we kind of imploded in extra time um is it just the fact that ben's tactical knowledge isn't quite up to scratch for playoff matches Maybe this from the last couple of seasons that I've seen. I think that might be it. That that's that's where I am. I think in 2018, you know, Greg Burhalter just took his lunch money, um, and he never they never he never he never figured out what what was going on. Um, and and then I think in 2019, I, the whole league took from that blueprint and, and figured out how to break that connection between Lucho and Wayne and really overplay the passing lanes and and leave space behind and we just never figured it out. I mean, last year, I don't know. I, that, that didn't surprise me. We were, we were away and at a talent deficit. Um, you know, I was surprised we got it as far into the match as we did, but, but yes, I, I just never, you know, Olsen's great strengths are he's a really wonderful human being and he's a very good man manager that doesn't tend to lose the locker room. Um, players tend to believe in him and fight for him. Um, but he was never given the chance to develop as a tactical mind. You know, he was kind of thrown in before his time and that limitation overall on the coaching staff and outside of maybe Nolan Sheldon, uh, it, it's just been readily apparent. Yeah. I also think some of the, the, you know, roster challenges that he's had to deal with have, have contributed to some of the tactical challenges as well as like, you know, it last, I'm sorry, the, the 2018 season being, a a good point of, you know, Hey, we, we did, we weren't good enough tactically. You know, we, we played the same style most of the year and you're right. By the time the playoffs rolled around, um, Barrelter took total advantage of it. And I, I mean, granted the game did go into PKs, so it was, you know, not a, not a total wash, but I think 
last season in particular, going into that Toronto game, I don't know that anybody felt good about it. And, you know, somehow we, we managed to get to extra time um, holding them to, to one goal. But the, the changes that were required late in that match in order to allow that to happen did not set us up for success in extra time at all. And, and obviously we all know the wheels came off real quick. Yeah, indeed. Um, so we're all in agreement that playoffs is a must and we reckon we can do that. It's just how far we can go in the playoffs we're not so sure about. Yeah, whether we can get a home match. I mean, I, yeah. the, the Eastern Conference is wide open this year. I mean, other than NYCFC, who looks to, you know, they brought most of their players back and look to be very good again. Um, you know, there's a question about how good Atlanta is going to be, you know, in the long term. There's a question about how far the Red Bulls have fallen off. You know, Columbus should be coming up, but how far? And there's a, you know, there's a lot of room to move. I mean, almost between positions, you know, three and and 12 you know, are up for grabs in a lot of ways in the Eastern Conference. So, um, you know, it's what we can make of it and hopefully stay healthy. Yeah, I, I'm going to be surprised if NYCFC do really well this year, though. Um, what with where with all their changes in the stadiums that they're playing at, obviously they're going to be playing at the Red Bull Arena, which is quite comical, uh, to say the least. It's absolutely glorious. <laughs> I mean, how, how has that happened? Genuinely, what was going through the front officer's mind to th- allow that? I mean, yeah. Um, but also they've got, a few, I think, four games at City Field booked in this year, which when you saw them at, against Toronto at City Field last year, it just it just didn't work. Um, so when they're at City Field, I don't think they're going to do great. Um, and it's just, for form-wise, that's going to really make things very tricky for them. So I'd be surprised if they're at the top end of the Eastern Conference. Um other things we've got look, to look forward to this season. Um, safe, stand, uh, safe standing. How awesome is that? Very awesome. Um, shows real commitment uh, from the team towards the supporters, being willing to spend that amount of money um, and get that done uh, only two years after the stadium, or a year and a half after the stadium opens. Uh, it's a big, big deal. Yeah, it looks great. It, it, you know, we got to see it briefly at the, uh, you know, kind of, Welcome back, Audi Field event the team had uh, a couple weeks ago. So it looks great. Super excited to to break it in on on Saturday. And um, it, it it yeah, the, the, going into this season is the best I've felt in a long time about you know the, the team being just real in, in touch with supporters and in touch with fans and and what where our concerns are. And you know you don't have to look too far um, in the league or in our city uh, for for teams that don't follow. Right. And um, and it's, it's a good place. I think it, it really it's a cool vibe going into the season. Yeah, um, I I would love to be over there and actually experience it myself. So, you know, hopefully at some point I get to see the safe stand and I get to see you guys again. Um, just a little plug for your merchandise, though, James, uh, for Screaming Eagles. Nice. Yeah. Be a friendly uh, hoodies. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're in a standing sex section. So, like, you got to have a place to put your beer. Right. So for yeah. the, at least the first few, you know, we start in February. Um, you know, you can stick stick your beverage of choice, um, drinking or not, um, in, in your pocket hoodie, and then hopefully we may come up with uh, some some koozies you wear, wear around your neck for the summertime when you don't want to be wearing the sweatshirt but still need to be, be able to protect your drink, um, at least until goals. <laughs> but yeah, safe standing. It's just 
it, it, it emphasizes what the section's actually for. It's for standing and being involved. Um, that underlines that. Uh, one positive of the XFL is we even got a rigging system um, that showed up in front of the section um, because they need it for their their kicking net, um, but it will stay in position. So Ooh. that's kind of a uh, a challenge, just kind of leveled at all the supporters collectively to uh, make good use of that. Mm, very interesting. Um, speaking of beers, um, you obviously got your first tailgate this weekend. What beers are going to be at the tailgate? Oh, speaking my language. I know. Yeah, John John's only does sometimes does some of the pickup. I mean, you know, we have our standard Heineken line, lineup. We should work with Heineken again this year. Uh, they've they've asked for us to work Red Stripe into the mix. Ooh. Um, one one of the challenges for me this week week when I was putting these things together is actually not beer, but like last year I started a couple uh, matches to buy White Claw, and it was insane. I mean, people drank White Claw before absolutely everything. And so I'm wondering now, going into 2020, was it just a 2019 summer fad that will quickly go away? Or is this something that's got staying power? And I'm 40, so I don't, I mean, there's no way I could possibly like be in touch with that. Um, what is White Claw? Because I have no what idea. What is White Claw? Oh, I would, White Claw is like a spiked seltzer. Um, so it tastes like, yeah, like a seltzer that just is alcoholic. Oh, really? Um, I mean, I was going to ask there you, like, no laws what, when you're drinking the claws. Exactly. I was going to ask you, is that true in Britain, too, that there ain't no laws while you're drinking claws? Uh, I mean, I, I'm happy to go with that law, you know? Okay. Yeah, let's go with it. <laughs> uh, but it sounds like you're going to have uh, have a bit of a good time this weekend, because I think you guys have got RFK refugees doing a live show there as well, haven't you? They are. They are. And we do season kickoff from there. It's kind of going to be, uh, you know, worlds colliding. Um, John, are you going to do that show, or is uh, one of your... Uh, Sam's going to do that show. Sam yeah, that so show. Uh, one of our co-hosts, Sam Kastner, will be on the, the RK Refugees show live on uh, on on Saturday. Um, so definitely talking uh, a bit of season preview with those guys, talking yep. a little bit more about our show. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're super excited. Yeah, so for, for those of you, if you've never listened to RFK Refugees, they are obviously available on all podcast platforms, but they do live shows over on Twitter and on YouTube. So get yourselves following them. Um, questions that I've had sent in. Um, there ha unfortunately, there hasn't been too many. Um, and I've had to plug myself in there on one of them as well. And I've just thought of yet one more question, which I had on the last show. And I want to ask you guys... Um, um, so I'll ask that one to start off with as soon as I'm thinking of it. Um, the question that came to us last week was um, about moving away from RFK to Audi Field. Obviously, RFK is getting demolished, unfortunately. Um, never going to get used again. But if there's one thing you could take from RFK to bring over to Audi Field, what would that be? Oh, this one's easy for me. I'd, I'd, I'd make all of the stands bounce. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Strong answer. I agree there. I'll, I'll second that. The, yep. the bouncing stands. The insurance nightmare, but <laughs> truly unique to that place. There, there was there was just nothing like it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not from the D.C. area, so I didn't grow up, you know, going to Redskins games and things like that. So I didn't really know it was a thing. And, I, you know, I kind of found it the first D.C. United game I wandered into in 2015 and you know, truly thought the stadium might be going down. And uh, it, it was just such such a fun time. Anytime you bring someone new to a game, you know, just to see their face, and, and it would be, you know, even before kickoff, you'd feel it. And then, of course, when a big goal would happen, it was like a trampoline. It just, yeah, yeah, I miss it. Yeah. So, how would it have would the stands have collapsed if Wayne Rooney was playing at RFK and he scored that goal from 
is on off. Maybe. Although, I mean, I say, I saw that thing stand up to sell out crowds. So, I mean, you know, whoever did the construction on it originally back in 1960, it's pretty impressive. Mm. Um, it bounced, it moved, it swayed, but <laughs> it, it never seemed to fall apart. Yeah, if, if, if there was a moment where I think it might have gone, it, it, it was probably more the, the, the buzzard beater uh, when, when Rudy hit the, the long ball to Lucho to head in against yeah. Orlando. I think if anything would have broken, it might have been that. Oh, that was such a great goal. Such a great goal. Um, another question that we've, well, a question that we had sent in was, obviously we've had our preseason matches. Um, not David Sheehan has just sent in, in six preseason games, not once did we have our likely opening day starting 11 on the field. Sarat and Flora swapped at halftime as they recovered from injury. Is it common to start the season with 11 on the field who have never played in a game together, assuming Sarat and Flora's both start? Um, it's friendly, so they're going to be mixing match for me. Um, it's you, you. This is when you try to find your best formation, your, your best 11, so potentially it's never going to be the 11 that starts the season so yeah that's for me it's that's quite normal and i, I think it's especially normal in mls playing the spring yep. summer fall season that you're coming out of a shorter january transfer window you're trying to integrate people quickly um you have injury problems you have visa problems i mean Mateus Rosetto, the new guy that Atlanta's trying to bring in their midfield from from Parnense in Brazil, you know, he's out of the CCL matches because they can't get his visa worked out. Um, and that's always the case in kind of the the short window before the MLS season. It's it's hard to get your 11 on the, the, the same page. So is it ideal? No, but we're not playing CCL. So we at least have, a, you know, a couple matches to to work it out. Yeah, situation normal for me. I, I totally agree. It's it's always chaotic at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, it feels like most of the conversations I have about DC United from December through March are all about are we please gonna sign a few more players? You know, I we mentioned that already today. And so yeah, I think it is pretty common to not have the the best eleven out there uh, on day one. Yeah. Um another question from me to you guys is and I've seen this over on Reddit on the DC United uh, page uh, which of the new homegrown talents do you think will have the biggest impact this year? I mean I would go with Griffin Yao and that's a combination of two things. One is I think he plays the biggest position of need meaning with Ariola's injury I think we'll see more time on the wing for people to you know integrate themselves and play in certain matches and have substitute appearances um one and two i think that he has some experience with more experience with the first team and we all know that matters quite a bit to ben um he's not as likely to throw somebody in um inexperienced um i think that contrasts by maybe with who the team is most excited about long term um we had dave sanford the academy head on actually at our annual meeting on Sunday. And he had said that, um, you know, Moses Naaman, he's super excited about long-term, you know, he's the youngest of them, but he plays more of a, you know, six, eight role. Um, a lot of times, you know, with, with, with Loudon, um, great vision, great strength on the ball, mm. but that part of the field's a little more crowded, uh, for the club at this point. So I don't know if we're going to see as much first team action for him. And what about, um, Kevin Perez, Perez, um, Obviously, he's been talked about quite a bit as well. He's 
um, seems to have got quite a lot of talent as well. Yeah, British. They, I think they see Yao, Paredes, and Neyman as yeah, as all in the same kind of cohort, um, and having the talent to make a breakthrough to the MLS level. And he plays even in a more advanced role, um, in a more ten or withdrawn, you know, attacker under under the under the striker um, role, um, which is you know, always harder also to see see the field. But he has a confidence slash cockiness um such attitude about him that is good in that position um that i think sanford's comment was it's not always seen in the american player uh and and that's an exciting thing but you know we have to remember that you know these guys are real young kids you know they're not even into the 1928 you know range yet yeah um so they will you know, be a slow slow integration yeah i'm super excited to see all three of them i think nine is probably the one i'm most excited to see i mean i loved watching Griffin Yao last year and I hope we get to see him more in competitive games. Uh, I, James, I think you're right. We're probably not going to see any of them uh, in, in first team matches um, very much. Uh, and, and if we do, it's probably because they're lighting the world on fire because we know, you know, Ben's not the, not always willing to, to throw the young kids in as much. And so if, if we do see them, I think it's hopefully going to be less because of injuries and more because they're just playing out of their minds, which would be great. Um, I, we talked about it earlier on the show, though, between Lee's Cup, between several friendlies, Open Cup, uh, and Loudon. I mean, these guys are all going to get tons of playing time this year. I mean, the opportunities to see them play for us uh, will be abound, and, and hopefully they'll be able to make their way into the first-team roster. Yeah, yeah and Ryan, Ryan Martin and Loudon's definitely committed to actually, you know, to playing these guys, right, to playing the youth all the time. Um, and getting them the experience they need. I think that's the key thing about Loudoun United is it's a key development way into these players' careers and get them that much experience because without that, they're not going to carry on learning in their development. So um, I'm excited about Griffin Yao as well. Um, he looks he looks the part. He's got some speed. He's He's got some confidence as well about him from what I've seen and hopefully he'll get some good game time this year but not a homegrown player but someone in my I'm excited to see is Eric Sorger um, after seeing his record from Estonia granted it's Estonia um, possibly not the greatest league in the world just going to say that the Estonian Messi I hear yes um, but he <laughs> is scoring for fun out there um, and it's good to see that he actually had some game time with uh, DC United in the preseason um, and scored yeah so I'm really excited about him, so fingers crossed um, he makes the breakthrough and gives Kamara a bit of a challenge up top. Um, one last question. Um, this game this weekend, prediction time. Oh. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> you've obviously seen who we've got reffing, uh, which is Nima Sagafi, so not as we agreed before, that as we were talking before the show, he's not the worst ref we could have had. But is there any good refs in MLS? Debatable. Um, obviously, gone off our preseason form. Um, three wins, two losses, one tie. Um, take that with a pinch of salt, if you wish. How do you think we're going to end up against Colorado Rapids this weekend? What do you get, John? Well, I've been, I've been, uh, you know in anticipation of our first live show this weekend, kind of playing through my opening line uh, a, a few times. And 
the most frequent score I land on is uh, DC United three, Colorado one, and so hopefully we'll just will that into into fruition and we'll kick off the year with a bang. I like that. I'm gonna and I'm gonna go close to that. I was gonna say DC United two, Colorado one, um, where maybe we get the winner on something that would have been called offside in the Premiership with their line, <laughs> but because MLS is not using the line, we get home field advantage, we score, we win. Uh, and everybody goes home uh, happy on a Saturday late afternoon. So is this going to be offside by an armpit kind of a scenario? Yeah, by an armpit or a toenail or... Hey, as Gary Neville said, offside is offside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm I'm surprised you guys have gone with the fact that we're going to concede a goal after our great defensive record of last season. I'm going 2-0. All right. I, I want Hamid to have his carry on his shutout record and keep those clean sheets going and going and going because, man, he said he, without him last year, we wouldn't have made the playoffs. I don't yeah, know. agreed. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's it's great to have him back and, and have him back permanently. Yeah, I think that's possibly my top signing of um, the whole offseason. Um, For sure. Keeping him permanently. Um, I mean, as good as Gressel is and as good as Flores is and as good as having a side back Hamid is such a rock at the back he just commands that back line and granted he's prone to a few errors with his little eccentric ways but I wouldn't have him any other way um, just don't call him Mr. DC if you have heard the uh, latest uh, what? <laughs> one of the MLS podcasts uh, they were interviewing Bill and they called him Mr. DC and he was none too happy one, I think he thought it made him sound old. Uh, <laughs> he's like Ben. He's like Ben. Ben. Ben's Mister DC. Don't on the call up with uh, Susanna Collins and. You kind of understand where he's coming from on that one. Yeah, but he is Mister DC. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, thank you guys for coming onto the show. We've um, come to an end. Um, it's been fantastic having you guys here um, and taking part. Um, James, any any last words? Anything you want to say to the listeners? Nothing else. Vamos United. Excited to be back uh, in season. And John? Yeah, thanks for thanks for having us on, James. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll talk to some of you guys live uh, on on Saturday afternoon after a big win. And for me, um, just a few things just to end the show with. Um, you can obviously follow us over on Twitter. Um, that's kind of the main social channel that we use. And that is at DC United Kingdom. Um, you can become a DC United Kingdom member. Um, just head over to dcunitedkingdom.com or dcunitedkingdom.co.uk um, and click on the membership page. Um, you'll get um, access to the private Twitter group we've got going on. Um, there's also loads of little things that are going on. So you've got um, an online store now. So if you want to buy some DC UK merch, click on the shop link and um, that'll take you over to the new teespring store and uh, you can buy hoodies you can buy t-shirts there's stickers there's mugs on there um, and you can see everything um, that is available and there will be new items added throughout the year um, which i can't wait to actually release to you guys um, the first limited edition t-shirts will be going on very very soon so keep an eye out for that um if you need us over on Facebook or Instagram, if that's your preferred choice, um, just search uh, DC United Kingdom FC and you'll see us up on there. Just give us a like and a follow. And if you're 
preference is YouTube, um, these shows are on there. Um, just click the little subscribe um, button down the bottom and click the bell um, to get notifications about when new shows go go live. So um, thank you to James and John again for being on the show. And until next time, Vamos United.